you know, give them advice and they would say, what do you know? Right. <laughs> because, because, right. They've been writing about this for 10 years. What do I know? I know. What Hello and welcome to episode 90 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is a marketing and the F is a well you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, and this weekly podcast serves as my excuse to chat with marketing friends, old and new, that I've met through my career as a marketing leader and trusted advisor, and hopefully share with you some marketing street knowledge that we've picked up along the way. Come say hello, we are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. This episode was recorded on Friday, the 26th of November. Thank you for joining us. I hope you've had a good week. You are well, safe, and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. Especially those of you in the US. I hope you've had a great Thanksgiving. This week, my regular guest, Jeff Clark, is off for the holiday. So left alone, I share some thoughts. I have an excellent conversation with one of my favorite topics, content with a different Jeff, Jeff Coyle co-founder and chief strategy officer at Market News. And I join Robert Rose, my friend and content marketing guru in the Rockstar CMO virtual party. Right, let's get started, shall we? While my friend and regular guest, Jeff Clark, enjoys his turkey and his family, I'm again alone in the Rockstar CMO penthouse studio, let loose on the microphone and able to share with you my thoughts and choose something from the record box. The obvious topic this week would be to give thanks. Seen a lot of wonderful posts on the socials on this. And I would like to thank you for listening and to all the guests that have given up their time to share their insight with us. It's been quite a year. Thanks should also be an important tool to support your customer experience. Okay, so that sounds a bit cynical to describe thanks as a tool. I don't mean that. Like everything, it needs to be done authentically. Not just use the holidays to create chirpy campaigns, witty content and cute emails, but to actually connect with your customers as humans and thank them and include thanking clients as a planned part of your advocacy program. I mean, without them, none of us would be here. But that's not my thought for the week. It is, would someone recognize your company, service or culture from your digital content and your website? Slightly inspired by my conversation with Drew last week and maybe more for the B2B folks, especially if you have a service element to what you offer. But when you cast your eye around the office, do you see a bunch of industry leading paradigm shifting corporate robots that are leveraging the new normal to enable authentic, empathetic customer engagement? I doubt it. You see people. But if you read your website, do you feel like you are meeting them? I've often mentioned on here that I once cut and pasted copy from a client's website and put it alongside two competitors. And when it was stripped of branding and product names, they were not sure which copy was theirs and what was their competitors. It was all so stuffed with the lingua franca of the business bullshit of their industry. Normally, I use that story to talk about differentiation of product messaging and being more outside in when thinking about the content. But what about the personality of your organization? You've seen the stats from marketing commentators and analysts. The amount of content buyers are consuming for a considered purchase before they meet a representative is rising, especially in B2B and, of course, with the shift to remote work. So while the buyer is hopefully learning a great deal about your product or service in their research, what are they learning about you, your people or your culture? Are they meeting you through that content? Again, something that needs to be authentic, but could be a differentiator for the buyer, making a decision about who to trust. That's my thought for the week. And seeing as I have control of the turntable this week on the theme of being authentic, either in giving thanks or being more you, I'm going with Smile Like You Mean It by The Killers.
There we go. On the theme of being authentic and giving thanks, that was Smile Like You Mean It by The Killers. On to my guest this week, Jeff Coyle is a data-driven search engine marketing executive with more than 20 years of experience in the search industry, managing products and website networks. Jeff is the co-founder and chief product officer for Market Muse, where he is focused on helping content marketers, search engine marketers, agencies, and e-commerce managers build topical authority, improve content quality, and turn semantic research into actionable insights. Before joining as co-founder at Market Muse, Jeff owned and operated his own inbound marketing consultancy and managed the traffic search and engagement team for Tech Target, a leader in B2B technology publishing and lead generation. I really enjoyed chatting to Jeff, a great opportunity to indulge my passion for content and technology. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm so pumped to talk to you today. No, thank you. And uh, you're in Jacksonville, Florida. How is Jacksonville, Florida today? It's kind of cold today. Uh, it's been, wow. I, I lived in, I grew up in New Jersey and then moved to Georgia. Mm-hmm. I went to Georgia Tech mm-hmm. for, uh, for school and then um, lived on the coast of Georgia and then mm-hmm. just migrated down to Florida earlier this year. And, but it hasn't been cold yet until today. So you get, you're getting me on. <laughs> On an Oxford November day, I think. (laughs) Yes, singing out where I am, where it's starting to get dark, let alone cold, uh, this time in the afternoon. Um, So uh, for people that don't know you, Jeff, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, I'm the co-founder and chief strategy officer for Market Muse. uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been in the content strategy, search engine optimization, uh, lead generation AB multivariate, paid, everything related to traffic going to websites for about 22 yeah. to 23 years. Uh, so yeah. I've, un- I've either fortunately or unfortunately seen a lot of things. Uh, and uh, I really, really have a heavy focus on content quality and expertise mm-hmm. with Market Muse. Um, and it's really been uh, an exciting journey. Yeah, yeah. And um, what inspired you? I mean, that's uh, is that whole lot called performance marketing now, or am I not down with the cool kids? <sighs> you know, you, you know <laughs> performance marketing would would have been a, a great name for it uh, to to be. You know, to be honest, it, much better than inbound because yeah. a lot of inbound doesn't is non performant by design. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. that's the whole kind of shtick there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what inspired me? You know, I I worked. So I, like I mentioned, I, I had a, I have a computer science degree in usability theory. Mm-hmm. When I was in school, I was uh, designing search engines. And at the time, that meant like intranet, intranet yeah. or like uh, vertical search or, or internal search. Um, not really mm-hmm. thinking about web search till the end of that time. Um, mm-hmm. I worked with a company called, I was an early employee at a company called Knowledge Storm. And Knowledge mm-hmm. Storm was trying to convince B2B technology companies to have content. So like imagine you're convincing... Wow. Oracle to actually put their content on the web and let us syndicate it to generate leads. Um, And those were battles, trust me. Uh, And, uh, and so we, we were selling millions of leads per month before people even were thinking about having a lead gen program. Um, We were were sold in 2007 to tech target. Who's a a very prominent B2B technology lead gen and data company Mm. um, where I worked as in-house for, about almost eight years and really grew their in-house team, wow. um, made it so that their uh, traffic could really be scalable. Um, the reason why I would tell you that part of that story is because they had an amazing editorial team, an amazing mm-hmm. writing staff, subject matter experts, a great uh, you know content network. And I, prior to that, had really relied on the technology companies for content. Um, and mm-hmm. so in being exposed to those editorial leads and those subject matter experts, I learned how manual those processes were and how inefficient they were. But also I learned how kind of blinders on I was with these things. So I would, you know, give them advice and they would say, what do you know? Right. (laughs) Because, because, right. They've been writing about this for 10 years. What do I know? I know what words they need to think about. Right. Um, So I spent a long time working with those processes and trying to make it so that um, the search team, the lead team, the demand gen team, um, the data teams could work together with the editorial teams successfully. And those mm-hmm. manual processes were really part of the inspiration uh, for market right. news. We're looking to semi-automate um, or automate many of the processes that are people think are subjective. And it's like, yeah. you know, what should I create? What should I yeah. update? 
we, you know, I like to say with marketing is we put the why behind your content Mm -hmm. and it's the why can be a lot of things. It can be because it's a quick win. It could be because we need to own this topic or we have a competitive issue or, Mm -hmm. you know, anything in between, but being able to put objective data behind those things enables those groups to work together. Um, you know, right. a trademark for working with marketing is, is your SEO team, your demand gen team, and your content teams actually like each other <laughs> and, and they're working together to, to like grow the same data points. And that data point is about expertise and authority. Um, and that's something everybody can get behind. Uh, and whereas, right. you know, ranking a particular slot in search, you know, sometimes mm. a, an editorial lead will be like, yes, yeah, so what? Like, that's yeah. not... That doesn't tell the story or a demand gen person will say, yeah, but that's not lead focused or, you know, yeah. getting all those folks on the same team. I mean, it makes mm-hmm. teams, ten, you know, 10 times more efficient. And I'm not just right. saying that like out of, you know, tongue in cheek, literally like 10 times more efficient. I mean, yeah. and, uh, yeah. and it's, it's really fun to watch. So market news is a platform, right? That the, the the content marketers and and your marketing team work around yeah. in helping generate the content for them for all these different campaigns and stuff. Yeah, so it's, we we reference it as a content intelligence yeah. uh, platform. Right. So it's right. identifying you know a couple of different layers. So the key technology behind market news is called a topic modeling technology. It's a branch of artificial mm-hmm. intelligence. Um, easiest way to describe it is it tells you what it means to be an expert on something. Mm-hmm. So if I were the world's leading expert on content marketing strategy, you know, to go a little meta here, or although I can't Mm -hmm. even say that word anymore without it being, having a different meaning, which I'll get into in a second. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, uh, you know, I would certainly discuss target audiences and buyer personas um, and content creators and channel marketing. Right. If I didn't, well, I really wasn't an expert. I probably wouldn't know that I probably should talk about those. Right. So what Market Muse does is it shows you all the obvious table stakes topics, but it also shows you the um, concepts that only an expert would mention. So you can build right. out comprehensive sources of truth or content briefs about what needs to be included to be an expert, but it also gets into what questions need to be answered, what internal wow. links you should include. I really build out a source of truth for your writers. So if you're like a strategist and you have writers that work over yeah. here or they're outsourced, you can get on the same page of what's expected. Also, those right. writers don't want to do keyword research, you know, <laughs> not at all. So why make somebody do something they're not good at? Why not yeah. have those writers write? Why not let them right. focus on creative narratives and telling a great story or production quality? Um, because, you know, what a, a really great writer very few of them are going to be super strong at, you know, doing their own research on from a search engine optimization perspective. So why make them do that? Um, And then we do that at the site level to tell you what you should create and why. So we can say your quickest next article to create is on this topic. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. you cover a lot of, you know, seventies films that include uh, (laughs) muscle cars Right, <laughs> your your next review should be on bullet. I mean, you know, the sign behind your head. You know that that you can get into that uh, that yeah. type of detail, and it wows people. It's like you know, or you have a huge gap in this area, yeah. um, uh, or this is just an easy win. Here's a great example. We have a uh, if you type in content brief into Google, um, you'll see our it's you know what is guide to content briefs. Um, yeah. One of the th- intents we weren't targeting was examples and templates. And Market Muse mm-hmm. said, hey, go write articles about content brief templates. And wow. well, my content strategist is currently, and they basically said, you're going to win this. Yeah. So we can give yeah. you that confidence. Right now, content teams have no confidence. They don't know if what they're going right. to write is going to be successful. They just, right. they hit they hit and hope. And hit and yeah, hope yeah. doesn't work. I love it. And and then, um, but it's based on, and also you're just making reference. I'm not recording the video. You're making reference to the bullet poster behind oh, my head. You're not recording video. That's like, that's good. That's an interesting. Uh, interesting Steve, I, mean, I'm, I'm, I just always think about Steve McQueen all the time. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, you're mentioning like artificial intelligence there and, and topic modeling. And I like that. And I like the idea of finding adjacent right. topics that you can talk about, reveal you to be an expert. But when automation comes up on this show, people are a bit 
cautious of it about marketing automation robots and the need we need the human touch mm -hmm. how does your tool strike that balance it doesn't sound like it's writing the contents it's just suggesting the data right well we have a natural language generation platform that we've built ourselves wow. it built into okay. market muse um mm -hmm. but it's primarily um gosh i could i could rant on for for a long time on this, <laughs> but it's primarily about one's own existing process inventory there's a tremendous, mm -hmm. and that sounds really complicated, but I'll, I'll get into the, the easy part of that. So the tremendous gap in the world today of generation is believing that it's going to go from simplified idea to finished product faster, right. right? Without going through the process of building and making good decisions about what to build. Um, so passing in a prompt and then getting out content, you can do that. But the hit rate on that content the longevity on it, the quality. Right. You, if you're going to generate anything, you need to treat that like a outsourced writer who you right. have no um, confidence in. Effectively. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's basically yeah. because you're liable legally for that for mm -hmm. publishing that item. Um, the mm -hmm. same way you would be. You're also liable from your from business perspective. So there's a yeah. lot of and and there's a lot of pieces that I can get into. But what Market Muse is also really heavily focused on are the parts of the process that aren't as exciting um, and amplifying them with both technology and artificial intelligence. So research, you know, right. tracking research so that there's a predictable component. Um, so mm -hmm. artificial intelligence, you know, the easiest way that I like to think about using it in business is going from making decisions about rules using data to predicting yeah. things with data. Uh, right. And so you might think old, old way of thinking is if the lead is from UK, then that means it gets a point. And then if you yeah. get four points, then they're a good lead, right? That's, yeah, yeah. that's rule-based. Artificial mm -hmm. intelligence allows us to analyze all the data in our CRM system and our site yeah. for conversion data so that yeah. before you even get to the site, when you land there, it's like, yes. Mm -hmm. This is a great <laughs> opportunity. And here's yeah. the 10 things that contributed. And we used all this data to drive that. So we're doing the same thing with content. We're basically, um, you know, I have, I have a friend of mine that referenced it as, you know, money ball for content. You know, it's like really yeah. predictive ROI to say, if you go write this article and you do a great job, it has to be good. Uh, you got to, mm -hmm. you have a more than uh, average chance of being successful. And that predictive yeah. side of the research and prioritization is mm -hmm. trend number one. Because I can go write 10 mediocre articles, right? Yeah. And get a 10% hit rate. But the yeah. the negative impact of my nine losers is big. yes, It's super big. Yeah. But no one gets yeah. that part. Um, so yeah. that's a piece of it. Prioritization, briefing, building the outline so that you have a better mm -hmm. relationship with your writer and that they're spending mm -hmm. better time. Uh, and then going back to existing content and improving it, uh, making it more mm. comprehensive, appropriate for today's intent. All of those things right. are as important to us as when we generate content, it's to be inspirational. So yeah. to uh, avoid writer's block, to give you a, a detail about a way something or someone could approach it that you can use right. to speed up yourself and to make so your, it gives you the hook. Your, yeah, your subject matter. Yeah, yeah. So you think yeah. about it, right? Would you rather go from, hey, go write this article about, you know, Persian cats, <laughs> and, and you get a you get a post, you get a a, 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 a go write a guide to Persian cats. Okay, if mm -hmm. you're a writer, you just get that. You're like, okay, yeah. sweet. How many different permutations of articles might you get back as a draft? Hundreds, mm -hmm. I mean, thousands, mm -hmm. right? Whereas mm -hmm. if you pair that with a comprehensive content brief that has mm -hmm. an outline recommendation. Topics to include, questions to answer. And also mm -hmm. has some ideas for inspirational uh, text drafts. And you say, mm -hmm. hey, here's all the inspiration to write this. Do yeah. better than this. Yeah. And it's going to have a great chance of being successful. Your writer's yeah. like, oh, wow, this is, this, it's like you're giving me, yeah, yeah. me right? Yeah. Uh, and, but the reality yeah. is the outcomes won't matter. Uh, with writing yeah. and with content marketing, the common mistake, and I see is, it's outcomes over outputs. So many, mm -hmm. so, everybody's so worried about outputs. They're like, I wrote yeah. 20 articles this month. I don't care yeah. how many articles you wrote. Yeah, yeah. How many of them were successful? Absolutely. That's what I care about, yeah. you know?
Absolutely. Well, recently I was running a content team and it was all I could do was to prevent the business from ranking, from measuring the success by how much stuff gets produced. And I'm, I'm like, no, you, you know, this isn't a content vending machine. Right. This, is, this is something that's going to create value for the business and we need to do that. So that sounds really interesting. Plus, uh, before I press record, you were talking about you're actually going to launch something new around this stuff, around the data. So yeah. tell us a bit about that. What's it that you're, you're launching? Well, baked into Market Muse Suite, which is our core mm-hmm. product, we have a solution yeah. uh, that is going to be uh, focused on keyword research and topic research. Um, the name of it has yet to be released. I'm not allowed to say it. So, but it's gonna be, <laughs> every Market Muse customer will have access to that. So, <clears throat> excuse me, basically revolutionizing the way people do keyword research. Um, right now, you put a word in and you get a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah. And it's sorted by data points that matter, maybe don't. Um, it, as a pair with that, we've also launched um, a, a, a brand. We made an acquisition last year uh, of a brand we worked with for years called GrepWords, G-R-E-P-W-O-R-D-S. Um, mm-hmm. A great resource for keyword data and search engine result data. Um, that relaunched uh, in November, so very excited about mm-hmm. that. It is one of the largest, if not the largest, keyword databases and search engine result page uh, databases uh, out there. So you can actually sign up and have access to pull keyword data for your own use internally to make your own yeah. applications. Uh, some of the largest, wow. some of the largest publishers in the world, and three of the top ten SEO platforms use it already. Um, and mm-hmm. we're, our hope is to make our data source ubiquitous as well as um, start to integrate MarketMuse of fundamental data points like our knowledge graph, which allows yeah. you to pass a word in and get back that topic model. All of that's, yeah. all that's happening yeah. as we speak. And so it's pretty fun to be able to deliver somebody 100 million keywords yeah. with search results every week, you know, and, and those, that's the yeah. type of things we're doing with our... Um, uh, our large yeah. publishers. So. Well, as as a B two B marketer and as a B two B tech marketer and as a content marketing person, I think you struck right on the like, yep. nexus of all the things I'm interested in. So it was re- it's really good to geek out on your products and what you guys are doing. But what do you see in general around? There's been a lot of commentary about the changing content marketing with the pandemic yep. and all that kind of stuff and the, and the new normal or the next new or whatever you're calling it. What are, what are you seeing in terms of from your clients the the trends in content marketing is it is it still on the on the rise? I think that uh, a couple of trends I see is um, one more ominous one, uh, which is pe- there's a lot of liquidity in the market right now, um, mm-hmm. so people are buying other companies, uh, and yeah. sometimes they're buying companies in order to uh, strangle a concept, uh, which I reference a lot. <laughs> it's basically saying yeah. like. I there's 10 companies in this space um, or publications. Um, if I were to own nine of them, I'd have nine tenths of the market share and I can just go buy the content. Yeah. So instead of buying yeah. links or instead of buying, yeah. uh, you know, pay per click, they're just buying companies. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. In 2022 yeah. and beyond being Google, they're going to have to figure out how to manage yeah. that. They haven't figured that out yet. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of a lot of um, a lot of organisations that buy media companies as well, aren't they? To to just to stand up their content marketing instantly by by buying a small magazine or a large blog or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, trend, that a it's ramping. Trend? It's ramping like it, it, incredibly. Uh, the B two B tech company buying a publisher, uh, becoming a publisher mm. overnight. Um, you know, there's a lot to do once you do something like that. But also, large publishers merging. Um, blogs yeah. being purchased that have strong presence yeah. by brands you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Um, sometimes they're yeah. public, sometimes they're not. So the the thing, the trend I see is really you don't know whose content you're reading a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there, there's going to be some transition there. Um, you know, it, and, and Red Bull was a great example on the B two B side of somebody who created the most one of the most successful production mm-hmm. studios. What five years ago, six years ago. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. you're going to start to see a lot of people becoming production companies um, because they know that's where the money's at, right? Yeah. Um, the yeah. teams that are being really successful, the trend I see that isn't tremendously well known would be those that understand they need to update content. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the questions I always ask is, do you have a plan? Do you have process already in place for updating existing content? Um, and yeah. teams that don't 
don't even realize how ugly that baby is when they're not up to yeah. it because it, yeah. it puts you into such a negative spot. Imagine like yeah. your so your new content points to the old content because that's yeah. how you naturally have a, a process, right? But your old stuff never points to your new stuff. That makes no sense. Yeah. Um, and so that's yeah. one example. And then like it's just old, you know. Um, yeah. I was like to say, do you have pages that if you knew people were landing on them, you would cringe? They're so yeah, old. Yeah. They're out of date. Yeah. They're not on today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, imagine if you wrote an article yeah. about yeah. Clubhouse. Uh, yeah. You know uh, the you know the, you know, the, the thing. Uh, you know, and it was like this is the best yeah. new thing. It's gonna be. It's gonna change yeah. the world. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, and you never updated it, right? Um, it's just, yeah, there, there's yeah. a lot of um, uh, plus, intent changes that happen. You got yeah. Plus, I think. I- yeah, plus I think we've got an obsession with youth when it comes to content too much as well. I mean, if I, I, I had a, I was talking to an ex colleague and we were talking about something we did together years ago. A client, um, sorry, uh, I was working for them at the time, mm-hmm. and um, and we were looking at some of the content we created, and it was really relevant even today. You know, it was just the fundamentals of content marketing, right? Now you could leave that on your website and let it sort of like attract a bit of traffic and stuff. No, you got to go back to that, refresh it, bring it to life because you can't. You, it's not just the new stuff that you should be obsessed with. It's your existing stuff as well, isn't it? That mm-hmm. you need to give some investment to. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's excellent. That's excellent. Well, thank you for that. We're coming up to time, and I've got one final question cool. for you, which I ask mm-hmm. every guest. Yep. We have a regular feature on Rockstar CMO, the Rockstar CMO swimming pool, in tribute to all the old rock stars that chuck things into hotel swimming pools. And as I told you, I spoke to a young marketer once and she, uh, she had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> so I don't think rock stars chuck things in swim pools anymore. It's our portal to hell for all the snake oil, BS and overhyped trends that plague this industry. We love, what about marketing would you throw into rock stars? Oh, there's so many things I would throw into the, into that pool. <laughs> um, and I think it would, it would make me sound like a bit of a jerk if I said, let's throw the rock stars into the pool. Uh, from, from, from the SEO rock stars, but uh, but yeah. what, what I really would like to throw in the pool is uh, hidden affiliate links, um, and, and yes. so where I'm p- providing insight mm-hmm. in the form of information or in the form mm-hmm. of advice, um, yep. and I'm not declaring the true yeah. reason why I'm doing it. Um, you've got to yeah. do it. Um, and I think if somebody is doing that and not being upfront with it, that needs to go. Yeah. That hurts our industry. By the way, I'm tremendously upfront. I want nothing more, mm-hmm. no matter what. I do a lot of training. I do a lot of webinars. No matter. I'm very yeah. informational. I will, I will spend an evening with you fixing stuff. And I'm not a customer. But I, I'm not shy. I want you to go buy Market Muse. Right, that's the deep <laughs> yeah, dark thing. Yeah. That's what pays my bills, right? Is when you go buy marketing, yeah, you yeah. become a customer. Yeah. When there's yeah. people that are not upfront with that, I think it hurts the industry yeah. as a whole. So if I'm going to throw something into the rock star pool, it's uh, undeclared agendas okay. on content in the form typically uh-huh. of hidden affiliate links. And please figure uh-huh. out a way to get rid of those because there's so many examples. You know, you, you, you watch the thing. It's like, a, uh, you know, the person is telling you how to fix their garage. And then they're like, yeah, every time I'm thinking about fixing my garage, I like to use this software product. It's like, yo, bro, bro <laughs> we, 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 uh, we see where that, where that, that link has a code in it. And, uh, and so I would, yeah, I would love to throw those in the garbage, but at least tell everybody, I love tell everybody and declare I- it, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, I will tell everybody and declare that I do this podcast to talk to fascinating people like your good self. <laughs> it started off as a lockdown project. I haven't got anything to sell. I just enjoy doing it and I enjoy sharing some of the marketing street lines we pick up from people like you. And you fulfilled the brief, Jeff. All right. I, really I love that. Conversation. Thank you very much. And uh, when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you? Um, Jeffrey underscore Coyle on Twitter. I'm on there a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm about to jump into a Twitter spaces as we speak after this. Um, and, uh, uh, but Jeff at marketmuse.com also active on LinkedIn. Please shoot me a note if you have any questions or, you know, you're worried about this site migration coming up or you just don't know what to write or someone told you that you should, you know, go spin out 500 articles on your blog out of (laughs) some spinner and you're not, it just doesn't, just JDLR just doesn't look right. Uh, feel free to give me a call and I'll tell you how I feel. Yeah.
That sounds brilliant. I'll include all your links in the show notes. And of course, those topics can include Steve McQueen, Bullet, Persian Cats, <laughs> anything they like. All right, mate. Well, it was an absolute pleasure uh, to spend time with you, Jeff. I look forward to talking to you soon. Right. Have a really good day. All right. Thank you, Steve. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jeff. A bit of a theme of authenticity to this week's show. Great suggestion for the swimming pool. I will, of course, include all his links and a link to Market News in the show notes. If you're looking for authenticity, it's time to stop by the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar and grab a cocktail with my friend and content marketing guru and chief troublemaker at the content advisory, Robert Rose, and find out what's on his mind this week. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend, and 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 welcome to the bar on uh, just a wonderful, a wonderful evening here um, as we are in the weekend, and which is always nice and noisy this week. It seems. It's, it's, <laughs> goodness gracious, the bar is full of people, and 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 I think I'm hearing horns play, like you know, party horns, some wow. celebration or something like that, like. It's like New Year's Eve in here or something. Well, it's just after Thanksgiving. Everybody just piped down a bit. But yes, it's just after Thanksgiving, isn't it? So I guess everybody's yeah. letting their, 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 their high on their their, um, their Black Friday purchases. So That's right. And is that a chimpanzee in the corner? <laughs> That's that damn maybe... chimpanzee. <laughs> All that noise. Um, so anyway, yes, it's good to be back and good to be back after the american thanksgiving holiday and and yeah. and always good to be with you and yes this week mm-hmm. we While have a wonderful chimpanzee yeah <laughs> yeah well you know you keep him quiet keep him, keep him down over there in the corner um, <laughs> so this week this week what are you drinking we this week we have a wonderful so we're going to come back to tequila here um, Ooh, goody. And, and i'm still in a holiday mood yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, and, and as we get closer to, to Christmas, I thought, oh, it'd be good to add a holiday type of cocktail here and a tequila oriented cocktail here. So I'm making what I'm calling um, the holiday Rita, uh, which would be a take on a margarita. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, I have to tell you, I looked this up just to see if anybody else was making this kind of uh, this kind of cocktail. And there was one uh, on a website that talked about how they, this would be the, uh, I'm, I'm going to say this really slowly, that, you know, so it was around Santa Claus and they called it St. Nick, mm-hmm. um, but they called it the St. Nick Rita. And boy, you can't say that one fast without <laughs> really getting into trouble. Um, and so I'm going to call this the holiday Rita so that nobody nice. gets into trouble here. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and we don't, accidentally go off the rails it is tequila Mm -hmm. it is lime juice um a little cranberry juice um for the holiday and cointreau and i know that's going to sound a little weird but it it Mm -hmm. it it really is lovely now here's the thing with the tequila make it a nice reposado tequila don't go for your anejos or anything like that it's a really nice reposado which is what you want in a margarita anyway Uh and put all that into a shaker uh, all that into a wonderful shake and shake to combine and then uh, put obviously ice in your shaker, pour that into a margarita glass, salt rim it or not. It doesn't matter. It's really, really tasty and a very nice holiday drink, but you know, well on the tequila. Nice. Nice. So I'm glad you're back on the tequila. Yeah. This be an excuse to use the same old joke that uh, I use, which is that I have the most English of tequilas on my desktop bar. Let me see. Ah, I have... Bombay Sapphire Gin. There it is. Oh, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Uh, did you put ice in there? Oh, got ice on the floor. Did you put ice in yours? I, I, well, I did. I put it in the shaker, though. But then I oh, that's a good idea. The... Yeah, uh, that's what I need to bring to the bar because that wouldn't be a nice sound effect, wouldn't it, if I brought that, my the... shaker? That I would have... be good. That would be good to add to your uh, yeah to your to to really anything would be good to add to your bar <laughs> yeah, just really quite frankly any sort of variety or anything <laughs> any change 
any we change to the bar. This week. What more do you want? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Uh, I will. I, I will try and think of a new joke for this. But I mean, there's so much mileage in this one. So, and and what what were you what were you putting in your into your proper tequila? It was uh, Contro. This was a little lime for, of course, mm-hmm. the obvious reason, and then a little uh, cranberry juice, which uh-huh. uh, which is always lovely, and then Quantro actually. Nice. Quantro. Well, the lovely people over at Fever Tree have uh, have put some cucumber in some tonic water, which I think is very similar, and uh, and I, I'll leave that sort of thing to the experts. So uh, I see. I'll just splash a bit of that in there. Nice. Let me taste this. Oh, guess I might put too much gin in that. That's delicious, Robert. And what yeah. are we calling that? We're ca- well. We're calling it the Holiday Rita, and we're not going to have anything to do with Saint Nick here, um, because it's just not. Uh, that's that's a way to, for us to not go there. Mm, well, this is delicious. I could drink one of these every week. Yeah, I, mm. I suspect you could. <laughs> well, and um, so we, we're recovering from the holidays with this holiday Rita. Uh, where would we be drinking such a fine drink? Well, I think we have to go and spend a little holiday time, uh, it, you know, in someplace warm and where we can sort of sink our toes into the sand a little bit. So someplace we haven't been before. Um, but you may have since it's a... A, a well, you know, uh, part of the part of the British Empire, um, uh, a little Turks and Caicos action, I think. Oh, um, and there is a place on Turks and Caicos called the Grace Bay, uh, which is uh, on one of the little islands there, and um, it's just a lovely, lovely little spot, you know, in the middle of the ocean, I guess, mm-hmm. and it's just beautiful. So that's where we would be, toes in the sand, warming ourselves and drinking a little. Uh, holiday Rita. I love it. I love it. <clears throat> Although, yeah, the, the the Holiday Rita sounds like a wintry thing, and I've never been to Turks and Caicos. They don't. They should do that though when we're at school, shouldn't they? Just take us for a tour of the British Empire. <laughs> Get to experience yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> Come on, you've been to the British Empire. Come along. No, <laughs> and uh, and I, I mean, there would be so much to discuss about uh, the British Empire and stuff like that, and the history of us. Um, but once we're done with that and thoughts turn to marketing, what would we be discussing this week? Well, I think what we have to discuss is something my old boss, uh, a guy by the, uh, that you know, actually, my old good friend and my old boss, Jim Howard. Do you remember Jim Howard? Yeah. 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 He, he's, a, he's one of the good guys out there and he's off doing other things now. And, and But he was my boss uh, a long time ago when I was in marketing at that software company so many yeah. years ago. And, and he used to always quote um, and, and throw this out um, where this, this old quote, and the, the quote itself comes from a, a Pulitzer Prize winning author, Ellen Glasgow, but you've heard the quote a million times before, but may not know the source. Um, and, and the quote is, the only difference between a rut and a grave are the dimensions. Mm. And, and, and we all have heard that quote before, and it's, yeah. uh, you know, and he'd always throw it out whenever we were doing well, right? It, yeah. and it was always sort of a, like, you know, are we really doing well or are we, you know, are, what yeah. are, we, you know are we getting complacent, basically? Um, and, you know, you think of ruts, right? You know, and you actually look up the definition of ruts and it's basically what happens when there are well-worn paths to successful destinations, right? You know, you mm-hmm. find a path that gets well-worn to uh, where you want to go. Yeah. And the more people that traverse it and the more people that traverse it and the more basically deeper each of the, the paths get. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, is that, you know, so uh, it, when we think of ruts, they also become traps for us. And I was talking with this marketing team, uh, a former client uh, of ours, and they have been running, and this is a 2021 sort of idea here. They've been running the same event uh, you know, it's a it's a customer and marketing event that they've been doing. They're very yeah. event driven. Um, they've been doing it the same way, same content, same partners, same format for years. Yeah. And it's the team's biggest yearly expense. They keep doing it because every single year it produces the exact same results every mm-hmm. single year. So it is a well-worn sort of 
this is how we generate these leads in the fourth quarter because this is how they yeah. do it, right? Well, the problem, it turns out that over the last few years, the number of new customers it has produced on average has declined, but it's been so gradual uh, that nobody's noticed, right? Mm -hmm. They've, you know, and then they finally ran the numbers for 10 years and they could see the trend line pointing distinctly, if ever so slightly downhill, right? And so it was one of those things where, you know, you almost don't know that you're off course until you like wow. all of a sudden look around and go, wow, we're really, what the hell happened? And it was just so gradual that you never noticed it. You basically ran yourself into a rut and you didn't really even know it. And it's so easy for us as marketers, especially today when we're so busy and so basically, you know, uh, you know, focused on what we're trying to do in an iterative way that we get in this short-term success cycle, right? Where yep. activity, 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 and we never really think about, you know, focusing on the long-term implications. If it works, it works, and let's run it to death. And what Quite we literally. need to make sure that we're doing is independent of whether we fail or we're successful in any sort of endeavor is just occasionally look up yep. and make sure this is what Jim was basically telling me was understand that over time, these ruts will emerge. And even when we believe we're successful, we got to pop our heads up and look around to make sure that we're not running ourselves into a rut. And, you know, you find it all the time. And, and, and it was funny once you, you know, once you start to look for it, you see it, Yeah. you know, you feel successful in your job, but you know, Friday arrives and you're not even sure what you did all week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, the, and this was a, a, another client of mine is like, you know, they've created the 10th piece of content for the month, but they can't even remember the difference between the fourth and fifth pieces that they created earlier in the month. You know, creative work in our content marketing or our content strategy, it feels like an assembly line. Strategy mm -hmm. work starts to feel like copy and paste from last month, last quarter, last year. And so we can create these new paths and they have fewer ruts in them, but that doesn't mean that they're going to get us to our destination. But stopping and popping our heads up to make sure that we're not in one from time to time, whether or not we're successful can be the ways to make sure that we're not so stuck in one path that we can't get off that path when the time is right. So yeah. that's what's on my mind. Yeah, no, I love that. And you, you know, I mean, I keep referring to the hamster wheel of marketing, don't I, where you're, you know, where it's easy to be, it's not, it's not like a drug, but it's almost like, um, it's so fulfilling in a way to be doing the thing and running and doing the thing and running and doing the thing that you have to stop and you have to look at whether that thing that you've always done, that everybody's excited that we're doing and the boss is happy that you're doing it, but is it really delivering them results that you need? Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Or is it, you know, it's one of those things where questioning success is kind of the idea here, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, questioning yeah. whether or not, you know, this, you know, it, because at least then you're making a conscious choice on it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like this one company that was doing the events and over and over and over again, you go, Hey, yeah. listen, we still haven't reached the, you know, the, 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 the line of unprofitability, right? Yeah. So let's continue to do it or let's shake it up. Let's, you know, there is nothing wrong with trying to break or test new things in things that are successful. Yeah. That's a hard thing to do in many cases, right? So you, yeah. you write that perfect email copy and that perfect headline combination and you send it out and it gets the expected amount of conversions. Mm -hmm. It's hard to then go, okay, well let's test something new and see if it does even better. It's like, yeah. no, it's working. No. I don't want to break yeah. it, yeah. you know, but you, you should, you should break it yeah. so that you don't get into that rut. Yeah, well, two, two, two rather less pleasant analogies spring to mind around this, isn't that? It's, one of them is the boiling the frog analogy, isn't it? That you, they, you don't feel the water's getting warmer and warmer until, you know, it, it's too late. Yeah, it. right, until you're dead. Until you're dead, yeah. But also um, the fact that if you should, you should kill your own initiatives right before somebody comes along and does that for you right so well that's yes there's that too right yeah, that's exactly yeah. right and, and you right. should be constantly evaluating and constantly considering something like that before somebody else comes along and and, and does it or it totally. or it dies of its own accord right and, uh, totally yeah yeah and and especially right now and especially around events i'm, I'm hearing so much uh, different reactions to, to events and they're working very differently right now because what I've heard is that um, 
and, and you you've experienced yourself presumably because you've been going to events running events is the people that are going to events are a bit more committed than they used to be but there's less of them and they're and uh, still people aren't going back to events they want to be more virtual so you can't yeah you just cannot with events do what you you know just okay pandemic over let's unveil let's unroll the playbook and off we go you can't do that right now well this is you know it's an interesting thing because in this particular situation yeah sort of the the impetus mm-hmm. for actually going back and running their metrics yeah. was literally the disruption that Wow. 2020 caused to events right they were yeah. like you know because they ended up you know doing a virtual version of their event mm-hmm. and it did not produce the results yeah. and they were sort of saying okay well how big was the decline and when they went and ran the numbers for 10 years they went oh well the decline from last year actually wasn't that big but if we compare wow. it to 10 years ago it was huge right yeah and and you go oh that's you know as all of a sudden you make this insight that not only was the virtual event not terribly successful, but quite frankly, you know, it was, it was, it's a big sign to us that we should have been, we should have probably finished the, this physical event a long time ago. And I think there's something else at play here, which is the acceleration that that has brought on sort of the physical event yeah. thing, just that, that thing specifically is that one of the things we're not talking about, you know, in this whole discussion of whether we should be virtual or hybrid or physical or whether any of those things are coming back is, yes, everybody seems to agree that physical events in many ways will come back to some yeah. degree. But what we're not talking about is how they should be entirely different yeah. and how the, you know, the content because we value our physical space so much more than we did 18 or 24 months ago, yeah. how much better that content has to be to entice us to fly across the country or yeah. across the world or wherever. Because quite frankly, we look at it and we go, yeah, if I can get it hybrid or if I get it on demand or if I can go visit that client you know, on a Zoom call, yeah. it's not as good, but it's okay. Yeah. And... But then if you go, but if we changed up the quality of the content at that event to be 10x better than it was, now that now we have to do that because yeah. in order to entice people to actually get on planes, get in their car, walk in, do the things they need to do, it's got to be better. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, it's not just on the individual, is it? It's on, it's on the justification to um, to their bosses and... and um, and also yeah, that's right. It's you know, so it's not yeah. just that the content in the digital realm has to improve yeah. and be different than what we did in physical, but the physical content itself we yeah. created. You know, yeah. in other words, you can't just go back to your old ways of doing a physical event and going, "That's our physical version." Now let's really innovate in the digital space. No, you've yeah. got to do both. You've yeah. got to innovate in the digital space, and you have to innovate into what the new in-person event's going to look like. Yeah, yeah, and ask why. Why is it that people come? Right, you know, that's right. And, um, you know, they, they may not be coming to uh, to to get up at nine o'clock at, and listen to your key eight thirty or seven thirty and listen to the keynote. They may be coming because they want to have lovely cocktails with you at uh, two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so, that's exactly yeah. Yeah. So, right. So adjust your agenda accordingly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a really interesting thought. I, I like that. And um, I and after last week, have you? avoiding me pointing people in the direction of your wonderful website i know where you can read more about this particular quote and it's it's on the interwebs it is it is (laughs) there is a place on the internet where you can actually find this and it would be my little home (laughs) there my little scrawling on the wall place which is called contentadvisory.net excellent and when people spin the dial on the interwebs where are they going to find you well, they'll find me on all the usual social media channels such as LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, and I'm actually, I think I announced on this show that I was going to do a little uh, yeah. a little experimentation on TikTok. And I'm, yeah. I'm still going to make good on that. I just haven't been able to do it yet. So I'm going to try okay. and do a little TikTok thing here not too long from now. That'll definitely get shared. And uh, I think this old marketing made 300 episodes. This It does. It, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, um, yeah, we're, we're super excited and it was fun and all of yeah. that. Yeah. Well, well done. And, um, yes. Yeah, so, and, but will I see you in the bar next week? You will indeed. Excellent. Well, I look forward to that, Robert. Uh, thank you very much. See you next week. Thank you. Cheers,
Thank you, Robert. So are you trapped in a rut or a grave? <laughs> That's a good point. And some great points about events, exactly what we're seeing. Fewer people going to events, but they are there on purpose and your content better be good with a compelling experience to attract them there on the first. So that's a wrap on episode 90 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and driving along with us. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks again to Jeff and Robert for joining me and for sharing their insight. Please check out their work. I'll include their links and all the things we discussed in the show notes, which you can find on your favorite podcast app or rockstarcmo.fm, where you can also find all our previous episodes. So, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? Let us know with a nice rating or review in your favorite podcast app or share your thoughts with us at Rockstar CMO on Twitter or LinkedIn or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff is back. I've Melissa Sargent, CMO of Litmus in the calendar. As you heard, Robert will be in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Until then, have a great week and I hope you'll join us here again next week at Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.